right, it's episode 237 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. On this episode, we are going to talk to someone all the way on the other side of the pond, a good friend of the show, Mr. Neil McRae. Neil is a member of the UK pinball community. And I really wanted to talk to someone over there because when Andrew Highway was interviewed, he talked a lot about how there was toxicity in the UK pinball community. So I wanted to hear from someone within that community how they felt about that comment and what they feel in the wake of the only pinball manufacturer in the UK collapsing a couple weeks ago with Highway Pinball. Before we do that, a couple news items, and then I want to read some of your emails, and then we'll air the interview. How does that sound on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast? Okay, news item number one, and this to me is a very, very big deal. And I know people try to brush it under the rug. I know people try to chalk it up as being isolated incidents. But for F's sakes, Stern Pinball, can you fix your cabinet splitting issue? It is absolutely ridiculous that people are spending the amount of money they're spending on these pinball machines. And all of a sudden, with every new Stern release, we're seeing cabinets split. I don't see people sharing cabinet splitting on Tron or old like Lord of the Rings games. I don't see any uh, Simpsons pinball party cabinets splitting up. But all of a sudden, since Ghostbusters, since Aerosmith, since Batman, right? Since the reruns of Metallica, um, you know, now we have Iron Maiden shows up at a show and two of them at, at the same show have cabinets that are splitting. And here's the part that just, I, I don't understand. Stern, what's wrong with you guys? Because the whole community understands that if you use metal cabinet brackets on the inside of these cabinets, it will stop them from splitting. And these brackets only cost, what, $10, $20? And Stern is too cheap to put these things into their games. And I'm sorry, but people have no confidence when they buy these new cabinets that, that they're not going to split. And I don't think anyone who spends the kind of money they're spending on a pinball machine in 2018 should have to worry about the cabinet splitting because when a cabinet splits, it's not so simple to fix it, right? This is, this is like the major foundation for every pinball machine. Yeah, it's easy to swap in a new node board. All right, it's easy to fix, you know, a mechanism and swap a new one in and out. But a cabinet, a cabinet swap, that is something that is well beyond the abilities of most people. So I just think it's shame on Stern for having these constant cabinet splitting issues. We're not seeing cabinets that are splitting from Jersey Jack. We're not seeing cabinets split over at Chicago Gaming. I'm not hearing about any spooky pinball cabinets that are splitting. Once again... We have the largest pinball manufacturer in the world and the product they're shipping people seems to have a quality control issue that they must be well aware of by now. And all I'm asking Stern is this, stop being so cheap on everything. We all know you can put better brackets inside those cabinets to just reinforce them. I think it's clear by now that whatever they're using, whatever wood they're using, whatever process they're using to make these cabinets has a weakness and it can be fixed with some brackets, pony up the money 
and let's go. All right. I also heard, uh, I heard the rumors too about Superman 78 and Beetlejuice, but I also want to tell you this about Stern's upcoming titles. I know for a fact that Stern is going to start leaking out titles that aren't correct. They're going to try to find out who the moles are, who the leaks are within the organization, and they are going to put false information out there into the world. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're not going to see Beetlejuice, that we're not going to see Superman 78? I don't really know. I don't really know. I think that those two titles would be huge hits if Stern made them. So I would happily uh, embrace both of those coming out. I do know more information about Beatles that I will share at a later date. And I do know more information about Deadpool that I will also share at a later date. Uh, but those two games are coming. We've got Deadpool and then Beatles. Bubba, calm down here, buddy. I know. I feel like Bubba, he's the one who's policing the new Stern rumors. All right. What else is going on? So Jersey Jack Pinball is going to flip. They're going to flip the order of two games that are not even officially announced yet. How's that for a major fuck-up at Jersey Jack Pinball? I mean, let's think about that for a minute. These two titles are not even officially announced, and now they're officially changing order. And the order now is supposed to be Willy Wonka is next, and then Toy Story is after that. And I just, when I heard that news, I said, here we go again. Here we go again. Once again, Jersey Jack Pinball is going to completely miss and fuck up the launch date of a, of a pinball machine that's supposed to be based on a film franchise. Because we all know that Toy Story 4 is coming out in June of 2019. Now, we all know that the next Jersey Jack Pinball machine that follows Pirates of the Caribbean will not be out until around that time. So why, why would it be Willy Wonka? Why wouldn't you time Toy Story to come out at the same time as the movie itself? And I hear people are already like, well, they want to incorporate the fourth movie into the pinball machine, so that's why. And I just think the whole thing, I think Jack's timing around all of these games that are connected to film franchises, he's, he's completely fucked up every single one. I mean, how much of a, of a joke was it when he tried to release Hobbit uh, to coincide with the Hobbit movie, with the third film? He missed that by like a year and a half. Uh, he, same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. That movie came out like two summers ago. So everything Jack has tried to do, uh, he always misses the hype window and the marketing window of these, of these uh, franchises. And with Toy Story, here's the thing. I don't want a Toy Story game with four movies crammed into it, all right? Toy Story 1 is by far the best Toy Story of all of them. You could just make an amazing pinball machine that takes people through the first film. You don't need to have also Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. I, I think that Jack tries to do so much with these games. They're, they become overproduced. There's too much they need to code into them, and they become convoluted items, right? Just make it based on Toy Story 1, and you'd be much more successful, all right? But he's not going to do it. He's gonna... So what does that mean now? We're not going to see Pat Lawler's Toy Story until sometime in like 2020, probably at the earliest. And now think about that for a minute. Two more years, two and a half years until we get the next standard body Jersey Jack pinball machine from Pat Lawler. And why the flip? 
because we just got an Eric game. I, I heard Eric is also the designer on, on Willy Wonka. So I don't know what's happening over there at Jersey Jack, but I just, I just think that their inability to get games out faster, it, it's just gonna, it's just gonna make it harder and harder for them to be successful. Who out there wants to wait two and a half years now for Toy Story? You're gonna have to wait another year and a half to get to like Willy Wonka, it seems like. They're not even shipping Pirates of the Caribbean. So, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on over there, JJP. Uh, it continues to baffle me, all right? All right, anyone know where the Star Wars topper is at? Joke of the year. Where's the fucking Star Wars topper? I'll show you where it's at. Um, all right, what else is going on? Chicago Gaming Company has still not revealed the next title. It will most likely be Monster Bash Remake. We all saw that some like pinball show put up uh, Monster Bash Remake as a grand prize that you could win even though it hasn't been announced yet. They just need to show this game. I, I don't understand why they can't just reveal it. It has. It's just at this point, we're well past TPF. I don't know how they were expecting to get this thing at TPF, and now we're like three, four months past that date, and still nothing from Chicago Gaming on this title. All right. Anything else going on in the pinball world? Um, the J-pop thread continues to have pointless discussions going on. Uh, our friend Rare Hero is on another one of his crusades to tell us how he feels about certain individuals, which is fun to listen to. Um, Hilton is still a member of the Pinside community. It doesn't matter how many times he causes people to lose money. I heard that him and Robin have been um, in cahoots about how to keep him on there for all eternity. So that, that's cool to know. Um, let's see. Is there anything else I'm missing? I, ha I think we've covered most of it most of it. I'll say this before I air this interview and then read some of your um, your latest news, um, or sorry, your latest emails to me. Uh, there's going to be more that comes out on Andrew Highway. And I, and, and I think we're at the point now where Andrew just needs to go away. And there's something about him trying to defend his integrity and stand up for himself that is going to continue to stick his foot in his mouth time and time again. And when you see more of the stuff that's about to come out, I think you're going to understand the real nature of this individual. And look, you're, it's going to be quite clear that no one ever should have supported him. No one ever should have invested money in him. And, and you're going to want him to just go away. And I think we're at that point. I don't think it's worth discussing too much more. I, I don't expect to see anything come out of the Pinball Brothers operation. I think all of these new companies that think they can just turn the light switch on and all of a sudden they're gonna have a pinball manufacturing company are, are foolish. I don't think when you look at the amount of titles coming out from reputable pinball companies that there's any desire or demand for any of these other companies to, to be successful. That's the part people miss is that it's a very finite amount of buyers out there. This isn't, this isn't video games, this isn't cars, this isn't watches. The number of people that actually will buy new in-box pinball machines isn't that large. And if your company has pissed people off, if it has a bad reputation, if it carries with it a lot of baggage, and then the game you release isn't even that good, uh, it's going to be game over immediately for these companies, all right? All right, let me pull up my email here. Let's see. Let's see, 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 see. I'm going to try and go for the last one. Um, all right, I got an email from Kevin Sanborn. The headline was, what a joke. He's seeking legal advice against you and rubber ducks. 
what a meaty breasted zilch he is. Well, Kevin, thank you for listening to the show. Um, I did find it funny that my name appeared in Andrew Highway's list of people he was seeking legal advice against. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how worried am I to get a legal notice from Andrew Highway? Probably a minus five on that, on that scale. All right, I got an email from Chris I. He said, hello again. I remember our conversation about P3 when reading this. Um, might this be a rush to deliver like Magic Girl was rushed to deliver possible changes in production of P3? All right, so I, I haven't talked about P3 recently, and I saw in the thread that some people are having issues with their P3 machines in terms of quality control. I want to say this about P3 because I did get an email from Multimorphic into my inbox, and it said something that did make me laugh. It said, like, pinball evolution achieved. And it was kind of like this congratulatory email about the finally, after all these years, the pinball evolution has been achieved. And I, I couldn't help but snicker in Jerry sort of proclaiming that some sort of evolution has happened in pinball. Uh, and here's why. In one day, Stern Pinball will make more games than Jerry has shipped in seven years. So I just want you to think about that for a moment, that the amount of P3s that have shipped out are probably less than 30 in all this time, okay? And he spent seven years to get to 30 games out in the world. And in seven years, Stern has probably shipped upwards of 50,000 machines. So I really would love to know what kind of evolution has been achieved. Um, from the very beginning, we all know that Jerry was trying to make a new platform for pinball, and he's succeeded in creating that platform. But the demand is just not there. Why is it when you go and you look at all the different threads on Pinside, um, you will have new game threads by Stern, by Spooky, by JJP. All of these threads have, you know, tens if not hundreds some of them you know 500 different pages of conversation happening around these titles and then you go into the p3 multimorphic thread and it's three pages i mean ev what what's the point of an evolution if it doesn't create a revolution in pinball and i think that's the big issue i continue to have with this platform is we're still just seeing Lexi Lightspeed. We're still seeing the same games on the same platform over and over again. And nobody really wants to, I, I don't know at what point, at what point, I mean, Jerry's got, here's the thing about Jerry. Here's the thing. Seven years, all the money, all the R&D, all the like attempts to like make pinball something new. And Scott Denisi took store-bought parts off the shelf and made total nuclear annihilation in his basement and has now sold over 300 to 400 machines. Um, and that game would continue to sell more and more if production can move even faster. And isn't that the pinball evolution that people have been waiting for? Like a different type of pinball experience, which it is. And that's the thing. If you're Jerry, you got to look at what Scott Denisi did and just say, why didn't I just do that seven years ago? And now you would have such a successful pinball company if you would have simply gave people what they wanted, which is just pinball. 
You know, no one asked for these modular systems. No one asked for these swappable platforms. Nobody asked for, you know, a big LCD screen where the playfield is. People like looking at their playfields when the games are turned off. They don't want to see a big black screen there. All right. And so, look, and now people are having issues with the game. And that's the other part is with all these new manufacturers, if the game you get out there on day one isn't bulletproof, all that does is make people hesitate to go in on the platform. Nobody wants to buy something where they feel like it's going to just give them a headache. And these toys be quickly become frustrating items when they don't work properly. You know, there's a lot of conversation around, uh, are aliens going to be worth a lot of money? You know, if there's only 120 of them out there in the world. And I say this as someone who bought Magic Girl, it is no fun owning a rare machine when that rare machine, A, uh, other people out there got burned uh, by the company, and B, that game could break at any time and there will be no support for the game. It is no fun having a game that you kind of don't even want to turn on because if anything happens to it, you're screwed. And that's just the way it is. I remember when my Magic Girl ramp chipped. I'm like, great, it's, it's gone, done. All right. All right, let's go to the next email here. Um, again, everyone, thank you for emailing me in when you do. I will read your emails on the air at canadapinball at gmail.com. I got an email from Rich Brett. The subject was hot air. Chris, just listened to the latest podcast and decided to email. The notion that Highway is contemplating a lawsuit is ludicrous. The cost of such a lawsuit is prohibitive for all but the deepest pockets. As we know, Highway does not have such pockets. Also, a lawsuit across international borders further increases the complexity and, of course, cost. He does not even have the correct spelling of your name. Imagine trying to serve you with a suit. Do not give it a second thought and do not let it affect the podcast. Highway is just trying to distract and obfuscate. On a final note, Highway's final interview was such a self-serving drivel that it should never have been posted. No value whatsoever. I wish the interviewer had never given him the platform to spout such nonsense. Cheers, Rich. Well, Rich, thank you for writing in. I'm actually, you know what? At first I was like, I don't want Andrew Highway to have a platform to talk. I don't think we should give him the time and day anymore. But then I was actually, I actually thought Martin did a good job with the interview. I have to say, Martin, I was wrong in saying you would serve up softball questions to the dude. I think he really did press for some real answers from Andrew Highway. And I think we got some very, very incriminating statements from Andrew, which he is going to regret using as this proceeds. Uh, I would not be surprised. I'm not the one worried. I'm not the one worried. I tell people this all the time. Andrew Highway is most likely going to get a knock on his door from the police. He, he, he is going to most likely end up in court or in jail for what he did. Think about it from his vantage point. Not only do you have um, laws that you probably broke because of doing fraudulent things, so you've got to worry about that. Andrew's got to worry about the police coming after him. He's also got to worry about these wealthy investors who are going to sue him with very deep pockets who he can't possibly um, compete with. And then he's got to worry about what I think is the worst thing to worry about for the rest of his life. And that is the individuals who he took money from and never gave a pinball machine who just want to physically harm him. He has robbed people of their money and he lied to people's faces when he guaranteed he would get them games if they paid in full. Now he's got to deal with all of that. 
on top of all that, he's got some podcast dude in New York City who's been saying, you know, get your money out of his company. I'm the least of his worries, all right? And he knows that. He knows that. It's easy to use me as a scapegoat, but he knows that um, the, the road ahead for him is going to be a terrible one. All right. All right. I got an email from Aaron Nicholas, Nicholas saying, really? And it's a picture of an Iron Maiden cabinet split. Well, Aaron, we talked about that on this podcast. I agree. It is ridiculous that Stern cabinets are continuing to split. I got an email from Ryan. He said, thought you might be interested in these picks. Hey, Chris, Ryan T. from Vancouver, Canada. Thought you might like these photos I took at league night. As bad as highway situation has been, I'm glad it's finally over. The pinball hobby needs these black eyes to be over because the future is very bright. I played Alien at last year's Vancouver flip-out show, and after a few games, it wasn't bad. No Xenomorph headlock, though. If someone could get these games going, that would be awesome. I played Big Lebowski last year and had a blast. Despite the upper left ball lock and lower playfield not working, it was a super fun game. As for Houdini, the shots are tight, but once you get the feel for them and hit some combos, it's a pretty good experience. The thing I don't like is the stop and go of the trivia. As a fan of pinball, I hope JJP, Spooky, American, and hopefully a new name and new logoed Deep Root can bring us some unique and fun games. While the other 90% of the hobby, Stern, um, can bring in more people who love pinball and more games like Iron Maiden, can't wait for Deep Root, Toy Story, and Deep Root reveals in the months to come. Long live pinball. All right. Well, first of all, Ryan, thank you so much. I, I do appreciate you sending the photo from your league night. It's crazy. In your league, you have these rare games like Alien and The Big Lebowski. I do find it funny when people talk about those games and they're like, the game's fun, except for this, this, and this was broken. And to me, like, that's just inexcusable. I don't want to play a pinball game ever where some of the major features of the game are not working. I've also been reading a lot on Pinside where people who own Aliens are like, if they could just get this game working, it's one of the most incredible experiences in pinball. Those people just need to stop. Here's why. Look, I get it. It's got a cool light show. It's got a cool LCD animations and like clips from the film. It's got amazing music by David. I'm not even going to say his last name incorrectly this time, Rare Hero. It's got, it's, it's atmospheric. There is, no one's ever denied that Alien is very atmospheric. It's a very atmospheric movie, all right? I'm sure all those elements are great, but the mechanics of the game are built like shit. The game itself is built like shit. The game is going to break. The Xenomorph head is the biggest piece of shit mechanism ever made. They didn't even want to make it. The own people, the people who had to make it were, were like terrified of actually making that thing after Andrew promised it would be in the game. So that's the whole thing. So cool. You've got this very immersive thing that's going to break on you at any minute. Enjoy that game, guys. All right, let's see. I got an email. All right, from Jonathan Justin. Last chance to advertise in Pinball Magazine number five. All right, you know what, Jonathan? I'm going to... I'm going to let that last chance pass me by. I don't, I don't need no advertisement in, in a pinball magazine. Pinball doesn't happen in a magazine. It happens on podcasts and on forums. No, actually, his magazine is great. It, it goes much further into depth. It's more of, um, 
it's more of like in-depth articles about the pinball world and the pinball hobby that I think you guys would love. If you haven't seen that magazine, I would definitely subscribe to it and check it out. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to air this interview from uh, the UK. Neil McRae is a great guy. And we're going to talk all about what happened at Highway Pinball. And then we're going to start to close the door on this chapter. I, I think it's coming to an end. And then we're going to start to talk more and more about where the F, the premium artwork is on Iron Maiden. And where is the Star Wars topper? Isn't it crazy? May 4th of 2018 came and went, and there's still no goddamn topper. I think we all should just not stop banging on the door of Stern for that topper. I mean, what, what, what kind of topper is it that it takes Disney a year to approve it, right? I mean, did they just completely fuck up this topper? I mean, Disney can't be that hard to get it right. Can they? Unbelievable. Whoever was in charge of the Star Wars topper for Stern, they should just pull that guy into a room and be like, we hate to break it to you. It's your last day here. It's been two years since the game's been out. No, it's been like over a year and a half. You're fired. Goodbye. Sayonara. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Neil. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast a friend of mine over in the UK, Neil McRae, who's a big pinball enthusiast. Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Chris. How are you, man? Good to hear from you. You too, man. And and I'm excited to have this conversation because you know what the topic is going to be. I, we've We've all been following Highway Pinball. And one of the things that really stuck out for me in Andrew's recent interview was he sort of calls the UK pinball community toxic. And I, and I wanted to get like just your overall opinion about what you thought about the collapse of the company. And also, I want to talk about the UK pinball community because from what I've been reading, it seems anything but toxic. So I wanted to talk about why we think he feels that way. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I mean, let's, um, let's cover the, the company first. Sure. Um, I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, it's a story of never-ending kind of disappointment. I think is the, the the polite way of putting it. Um, and and it's it starts with, um, in my view, bad, really bad and poor management and leadership from the start. Um, I think <clears throat> when you look at what happened, and and you know, I only really got into the pinball scene just as. Um, just just as Aliens was being announced, or Alien was being announced, and Full Thrall was was kind of out there and and had various mixed reviews, and and for me Alien, you know, that's a mega theme. I'm I'm sitting in my uh, lounge where I've got a little list of a Alien DVDs that I can see in Blu-rays. So, um, you know, for me it was like, oh yeah, this this could be a particularly good um, theme. And then I saw the game at. Um, the uh, Chicago Expo in 2017. Would it be 17? No, sorry, 16. 16, um, he brought it. Yeah, that's right. And and I have to say, it was uh, it was like, oh my god, it was my first reaction. I mean, it, it looked like it had potential, but um, you know, I, there was just a few things that just weren't quite right on it. Um, and it was also, from my point of view, really clear that the game was still quite some way off before it was shippable, despite you know, um, viewpoints that it was, you know, imminently about to ship then. Um, right. And lo and behold, you know, year, almost over a year later, um, it ships. And then, and, and, and you, so you went from the Chicago Expo where it was a matter of, you know, 
weeks and months to EAG and here in London, which is the it's kind of like the, the big UK. It's not that big, but it's it's like the, the main UK amusement and arcade uh, expo here in London. And the game was just, it was in a mess. Um, people turned up, it wasn't ready. They were soldering boards um, at night. It was just, and, and you know, it, it, when, you, when you look at the game now, and, and actually I'm, I'm part of a club here in the UK, Flip Out London, where, and we have one. Um, and actually the game now is, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a reasonably decent game, but it took two years too long to get out. And, and also... Um, reliability um, somewhat questionable. So for me, when you look at the whole thing, I think there's a lot of great guys that worked. You know, they, you know, Dennis Norman was working there at some point in time. You know, he's a, a big name in pinball, right? There's there's, there's a, a number of 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 people um, that have been that were involved in it. And you look at the team and you think well, that should be brilliant, and it just wasn't. So and and I think that a lot of that's down to leadership. And and I think um, you know we say pinball's hard. Um, but it's hard if you don't listen to people. It's hard if you don't take feedback. It's hard if you kind of brush people off. It's hard if you do stupid things that aren't really that focused on getting the game out. And I think if you look at the history of of this project, it's there's amples of evidence that says this was uh, badly managed from start right. to finish. Let, Neil, let's talk about Expo 2016 because it's interesting. Andrew actually calls out that show as a moment in time when he claims people were openly trying to sabotage his company, he actually claims that other manufacturers who were jealous, this is kind of his, I'm paraphrasing, who were jealous and nervous of the success of Alien actually might have stolen parts from their booth at Expo. Um, and also around that same time period, he's claiming that someone set up um, a fraudulent account yeah. and sent people bills seemingly coming from highway pinball to to steal people's money and also that rubber ducks our friend owen was 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 emailing owners to get refunds and how much of that do you believe and how much is that just andrew um coming up with excuses i, I find i find the whole thing of other pinball manufacturers trying to trying to sabotage him just insane i just can't believe that you know i know the the pinball manufacturers reasonably well i know JGP guys, I know the Stern guys, I know um, CGC guys. I've met a few of the guys at, at Multimorphic. I don't know them that well, but I've met them. To, to even think that they would have any focus other than their own business. And, you know, where frankly, <clears throat> you know, you look at all of those manufacturers and they're all doing a pretty decent job, one, one or two bumps in the road, but they don't need to sabotage them. There's just, I mean, the, the notion of that just, it just feels very, um, I don't know, I don't know what, what, what to call it, but it feels nuts to me. And I was there at, at that event. I didn't see anything like that. Um, well, what I, I, saw, well, I mean, I look at Stern. They were busy with their 30th par birthday party. They had Adam West there. The last thing they were worried about was Alien, let me tell you. They, were, they had bigger things to be worried about. Right. Um, so I, I find that, uh, frankly, ridiculous. Um well, well, I think and, what was there's no evidence. I mean, that's the thing. Where's the evidence? Right. I, I think what was happening at at in 2016. I think the the real issue that began to surface um, that was the point at which some of Andrew's employees or ex employees 
started to, to share information. And I think that information started to get disseminated out into the pinball world and certain individuals, I was one of them, was privy to some of the information that was being shared. And yeah. I think that's what started to get people concerned that all was not well over at Highway Pinball, that people should be concerned if they had their money invested in the company. Yeah. And, you know, as I, as I told Andrew at Expo 2016, because he accused me openly of trying to sabotage his company right to my face, I said, <laughs> look, Andrew, if you ship the games, if you ship the games when you promise, people are going to buy them and your company yeah. will do fine. And he kind of never really wanted to hear stuff like that. He just always wanted to find someone to accuse of, of being the issue. Um, and, and look, 2016, Aliens really never even went out the door, right? I mean, people were yeah. still waiting far until 2017. And at that point, I think we all witnessed what he was doing where he was sort of just sending out a handful of games that were really kind of prototype beta units to people like Hilton yeah. and other people he knew would cheerlead the company. Um, yeah. But production never really ramped up. No, that's right. And I think... Um... When you uh, and when you see some of the games that went out, you know some of them had various bits that that weren't working on them, and and they weren't, you know, they definitely weren't. You know, if I'd got one of those games, I would have sent it back right away and said, "This is no nowhere near ready." Um, but you're right. There's you know there's a few people who who were you know, uh, you know, very positive about this, probably more positive than they should have been. Uh, in some ways, that's a good thing because you're trying to help people out, but but you've got to be honest about it, Chris, and and. You know, I think when when I first saw the game, I was thinking, "Wow!" You know, again, a theme with loads of potential, but the potential just wasn't being delivered in what was there. Um, you know, the, the room. You know, I heard a couple of rumors when I was at uh, Expo about you know the state of where things were, wh whether they were true or not. You know, it, you, you reflect on you know other issues that were going on, the whole Predator fiasco, the whole Magic Girl and, and J-pop fiasco. And you kind of, you know, when you start to hear about that and you hear another one that's potentially in trouble, um, you know, frankly, I wouldn't, you know, why anyone would pay more than, say, a thousand bucks deposit for a machine is just beyond me these days. But it was clear, not all, not all was well. The game was some way off. Um, and, and, you know, the message was, oh, it was imminently about to release and it just wasn't. So, um, you know, that, that point in time, you know, as we're asked, where I got some um, view that this this was not all healthy, um, and and you know um, there was almost a, a a streak of desperation in the whole um, situation at that point in time. There's a couple of games I think there's supposed to be three, but only two turned up. They were working not at various points of the, the day. They weren't. They were you know far from complete. There was still lots of changes going on. There was this horrible can thing on it, as I recall. Um, that that just didn't play right. The the other playfield and some of the artwork was starting to look good. It had that terrible cabinet, which I still struggle to understand why uh, highway went down that road. But but that's best 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 left for for another discussion. So yeah, I think um, the company was in trouble. You know, probably before two thousand and sixteen, um, and and you know, the, the focus on you know finishing the game. Getting games shipped that were in quality state were, were fit for for deployment just didn't seem to be happening, as far as I could tell. It, it's interesting that now, when Andrew keeps saying that if you could do something differently, 
he wouldn't have taken pre-orders and he would have waited to announce the second title closer to the ship date. But my question, Neil, is if he didn't take pre-orders and Full Throttle was a a sales bomb, like it didn't do well, how does he survive, right? How does he make any money when you can't really launch a pinball company with your first title being a flop? There's just no way to like survive in that climate unless you have a ton of capital. Absolutely, or or unless you you know unless you find a way of outsourcing just about every aspect of it. But even then, um, you you know if you want to do that, you've got to commit to big volumes for it to be you know a sensible price, Chris. So you know, and the, the thing that I take away from any manufacturer, not just pinball, but any type of manufacturing today, you've got to be very well capitalized. Um, and and the reality was that that you know. Highway just wasn't well capitalized enough, and it was and and the 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 feeling I get from it, it was kind of collect money, spend money, collect money, spend money. I don't know if that's true or not, but but that's how it comes across. That's the perception that that I would say. Um, and 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 you know, in terms of you know, the, the key thing in in manufacturing is managing your supply chain. You know, Gary Stern talks about it a lot, and he shows you his huge stock room, and you kind of wonder why the hell does he have all that stock? Well. Because if he doesn't have that stock, he's got people doing nothing when he runs out of stock. And, and you know, you look for the evidence where the supply chain was being managed effectively, and you can see many situations where it wasn't, you know, not realizing that Chinese New Year might have an impact on delivery. Well, everyone in manufacturing knows Chinese New Year, unless the whole of China closes down for a week, it has a big impact on you. So, you know, again, I point to leadership management and, and, and really experience where, it's, you know, from the outset, looking in, you think, crikey, the, the, I think the best thing that um, Andrew could have done was probably bringing someone to run the company that knew what they were doing, frankly. Right. You know, when we when we hear from Dave Sanders, sort of what it was like going in, where there were just, there were weeks upon weeks where they had nothing to do. People were just working on side projects. You know, delays caused a, a lot of probably confusion about, you know, what are we doing every day here? Um, I think, you know, Neil, the big problem too is, and we see this in all of pinball manufacturing, you have to scale up slowly. You have to scale your company up slowly yeah. and, and bite off as much as you can chew. And I think Spooky's done that successfully. You know, yeah. 150 games with game one, 300 game two, 500 game three, and in between they're building total nuclear annihilation. You know, that's how you build a pinball company. I think Andrew came out of the gate with this ambition to be stern level volume right we heard him say four to five hundred games a month um without any know-how and- absolutely and, and i think um you know that is that, that goes back to my point about being well capitalized to build a you know you you've been at stern's factory um to build a, a facility like that requires a huge amount of capital requires strong management and and managing that that, that whole conveyor belt build process, managing the supply chain and logistics, you know, just making sure you've got enough cardboard boxes to stick the machine in to send it off. It sounds like a tiny thing, but if you can't ship games, you can't ship games, whatever the reason. And, and you know, scaling to that um, size um, from day one just, just isn't doable. And, and but, but you see, as you said, you named Spooky, I'd also named CGC, who, you know, started off by using another company to build and learned a lot about, I think, the supply chain and, and, and got better understand that and brought it in-house, set up a very, um, you know, uh, 
what's the word, a, a small but effective manufacturing capability that could shove out, you know, a few hundred machines uh, every every two or three months. Uh, I've got one of those machines. It's it's be- beautifully made. Um, it can be done if you know what you're doing. If you learn, if you learn step by step. If you take feedback, um, which you know, Spooky and and CGC definitely take feedback and and and, and build it into their their products as they move forward. Um, and and but if if you if you're not taking feedback, if you're not well organized, if you don't delegate, and I think delegation and, and having a team is really important then you're going to end up with bits and pieces, not being able to manufacture, people sitting around doing nothing. Um, you know, and, 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 and to some extent, Chris, that, you know, that whole um, thing about people doing nothing dates back to the Williams days. You know, you've probably seen the, the Pinball 2000 documentary where one of their biggest fears in Williams was having, a, having the workforce doing nothing. Um, so that's not a new issue. And, and, and you know, you, you hear from the, the experts back then when they were shoving out, you know, thousands of games. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of think that's something you need to think about. You know, how, how productive is my workforce? And, and it doesn't feel like they were very productive as, as a whole. And it's a shame because there are some good guys, very good guys that, that were involved in, in Highway. Right. One of the things that Andrew, you know, he's sort of, he is, he's apologizing for some things, and I think the one thing he's been the most apologetic about was unrealistic time frames, right? And why do you think, Neil, he ever put such unrealistic time frames when he's got someone like Dennis Nordman, who has been in the industry for decades, basically telling him, we can't get Alien out in eight months. It, it's not even designed yet. Um, and he, not only that, he was also, alongside those timelines, he was giving volume in terms of production quantities that were completely unrealistic why do you think he he did that he sort of put himself in a huge hole but by making those promises early on i mean i I struggle to understand why he would put himself under such pressure it's just totally unnecessary you know you can manage the flow of orders by saying you know and spooky are a great example of this you know they only take orders where they know that they've got line of sight to building it um, they only take a limited amount of deposit. They, you know, they don't oversell themselves, and they're and and you know Charlie's very very cautious about that. You see him posting on Pinside saying, you know, we're not, we're going to take one step at a time. We're not going to get too big too quickly, so that we've got a sustainable business. I struggle to understand why you would do that. Um, other than you know, if you think you want to be a show off and and think, well, I'm you know I'm an, I know everything. There's nothing I can learn from anyone. And, and, and you kind of look at it and you think, well, I wonder if that's what was going on. I also th- think, and, and, you know, this is purely speculation on my part, um, you know, the whole funding with the investors and, and, and managing cash flow um, clearly <clears throat> is, was something that was critically important. I don't know if it had something to do with that. Who knows? But to me, to put yourself under so much pressure when you've got, when you don't have to, everyone knows pinball's hard. Everyone knows building one of these machines is difficult. Why put yourself under even more pressure? It just doesn't make any sense. You know, it, it's other other than to kind of make yourself out to be some sort of superhero of pinball, which frankly, you know, the one thing I've learned since getting into this community is the people who are the the people who are the superheroes of pinball, are the people who deliver, not not the people who just say they're going to deliver, right? Right. And well, then there was a lot of that, right? There was a lot of 
victory laps that were being taken by this company once Alien was announced. Um, but all all that was was an announcement. And, and we heard back in the day, if you go back and look at the conversation, I remember Oryx said something once. He said, well, we had to announce Alien to stay relevant as a company. And I think it really was like Andrew's desire to feel like he belonged in the club with people like yeah. Stern and Jersey Jack because he had that A title that was going to set the world on fire. Um, yep. The only thing he didn't have was 30 years of institutional knowledge on how to actually deliver that game to customers. And, and I think we saw the way that that went over the subsequent years. Um, so here we are today, Neil. And, you know, we this show has been predicting that Highway Pinball was going to collapse for a long time. Some people believe this got their money out. Neil, do you believe that this podcast actually was one of the reasons Highway Pinball failed? Because we get we're we're part of Andrew's like lawsuit list that he's pursuing legal action against. So yeah. do you think we're to blame or, or did we do our job in, in reporting to people what we knew about the company? I think, um, I think we did our job. I mean, I, I, I um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the notion that, that we, that, or anyone could have an impact, um, on a company is just farcical. But I think, you know, you got to, You've also got to be able to look yourself in the mirror, and and if you know that um, people were taking money where there was a risk, then I think it's right and proper um, to say mm, that's that's a bit risky. And and I certainly did it. I think I think others did. Um, I think putting your money into an unproven company um, and there's a lot of money. It's not like it's a you know a, f- a few hundred bucks for a you know a. a set of headphones it's you know six seven thousand dollars for a pinball machine that's a lot of money for people and and i'm you know if i think there's something slightly suspicious about i'm going to say "Mm, are you sure you're going to get that money back because you know it feels like a long way off and and there's still people waiting you know there's a a couple of guys from uh, sweden posting that they paid up in full and didn't get a game and, and they've been waiting over two years so um, I think it's right to say be cautious with your money. Use your credit card. Don't put put down a small deposit. Not don't pay for the whole game till you know it's ready to ship. Um, and you do that with anything, Chris. You don't walk into a car dealer and lay fifty grand down right. on a car until you've seen it, right? Well, so, and, and that's what's interesting, Neil. So pinball guys, for the most part, if you're buying expensive pinball machines, you I would assume that you're somewhat financially stable and successful in life. You have some intelligence inside your head. It is interesting, looking back on all those videos Andrew used to post about the production of Alien, when we, we look at them now, right? Empty factory, nobody yeah. in it nothing being made like one guy with a long screwdriver wearing like a winter hat and it just looks so comical versus a real pinball company's production why do you think people allowed him to continue seeing those things in hindsight why wasn't there more people concerned and 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 sort of you know raising red flags that this doesn't look right you know, human nature, Chris. People don't like to be wrong. They don't like to admit that they're wrong. Um, but I think, you know, we're all grown-ups. You, you, you know, it, when you see something like that, um, to, to, to claim that everything's okay, you know, just looking at it. And I, and I was watching one of those videos a couple of nights ago, and, and I completely agree with you. It just looks ridiculous that there was any hope that this was going to be successful based on those videos. 
Um, I, 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 I hope, um, you know, there's probably some, I know some people here in the UK who were, who were friends of Andrew's um, prior to, to Highway when, when, you know, because he was in the pinball scene here for a while. You know, I think they were all giving him feedback privately um, is the sense I get. Again, no evidence for that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, some of the people who, who, had, who, who had orders in for machines as well were saying, hey, Andrew, why don't you focus on this? Why don't you focus on that? Um, I'm sure that was going on. But you've got to listen to it, Chris. And, and I think there's, there's, you know, post after post, anecdote after anecdote, where it was clear, you know, from highway employees, from people out and outside, from Dennis Norman, you know, um, from a lot of people who were given advice that just wasn't being listened to. Um, and, and, and then there are people who were just, you know, um, frankly, blowing smoke, Chris, Um where they were saying everything was all right and the game's company's going to be fine, the game's going to roll, and there's just no evidence to back them up. And 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 I think um, you know I think some of the <clears throat> some of the community needs to think about that. You know, um, there's a, a bit on some of the big forums where they're saying, well, you know, we, we need to be cautious on how we moderate. I think if people have a point of view where you know things don't look right, they need to be able to express that. And and I don't think that was as um, evident as it should have been. So I'm hoping that those people, you know, see this, learn from it, so that the next time someone comes along, um, they are they're more balanced. Because I fear that there was not as much balance as there should have been, um, and and quite often anyone who was negative was was kind of booted out, and and that that is in my mind kind of unacceptable, really. Yeah, I mean, I I tried to share as much as I could with with the pin side with I, I actually gave Robin and the moderators all the information I had. They they knew that I had it. They knew I had verification of, of where it came from. Um, you know, it led me to having to post some stuff anonymously on there because I was banned under my Canada handle. Um, it's a shame. You know, I think everyone has learned from this. And so Neil, here we are today. Uh, the company is now in this weird place too, because there's a lot of finger pointing between Andrew and the investor group, and there's some people speculating now that it seems as if the investor group was planning to do this all along. Do you believe that their plan from the very beginning was to set, set up Pinball Brothers, liquidate Highway, absolve themselves from the debt that Andrew put them in, and then just start anew? Or do you think they gave it a real go over the last year and they just realized that Andy kind of sold them a sinking ship and there was nothing they could do? You know, it's really hard to... to I've tried, I've been trying to figure that out. There's part of me that, you know, I see what the, 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 new, the new owners or investors, or the old investors renewed, if you will, post-Andrew going... You know, it feel felt like they really had the right intent, at least to start off with. Um, you know, they were they they kept the you know they did all the things right. They got their they, they put a message out saying we're going to try and fix this. Give us some time. They got their head down. They started focusing on that. Um, they probably didn't communicate enough um, and and give enough updates, which you know is a it, you can kind of swing the pendulum to a whole lot of updates that were valueless to. A few updates that show progress. I think that spooked people's confidence. You know, you see the de- people demanding refunds, um, and that 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 you know, I, I look at that and think that was a you know a shed load of money. There was a lot of money refunded. There's also a lot of people who didn't get refunds. There was like it, yeah, I think the tally is at like over f- almost fifty thousand dollars of people who 
who still have yet to be refunded. And we know that's just the tip of the iceberg too, Neil, right? That's just yeah, like that's, that's people on Penn side. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that the so I, I I believe they had great intentions to start with, but then I think that they were in such a a poor state. Um right. and then and then and then the, the, the big you know, the thing that kind of was the final nail in the coffin in my mind. Yeah, they they started to get games out. Um, they got the LE done, not quite as good as we all hoped it might be, but it was it's it's you know it wasn't a complete disaster. But the biggest issue that they didn't face into was reliability and and managing their existing customer base. You know, there's stories of aliens that are down and been down for months because they, people can get spare parts, um, and distributors hate that. They don't want to have people send the machines back that they that, and having to refund because they can't get parts or the game isn't working. And and I find that that part of this whole story just astonishing because it felt like, you know, the it felt like the corner was being turned slowly but surely. And then, you know, you started to hear about machines going down and not being able to get parts and and the community actually fabricating 3D um, printed parts to help each other out, which is fantastic. But, but frankly, for a you know eight thousand dollar pinball machine, after you've had it a few months, frankly ridiculous. So there's still um, there is still no manual, yeah. for the game. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, there's, is there's, unbelievable, right? Absolutely. So, so I um, we have one in in our, in our club, as I, as I mentioned. And um, I was actually going to stream it. And as I went to stream it, um, the flipper stopped working. One of the fuses blew. And just trying to figure out, you know, which fuse might it be and what's gone wrong and how to debug it was really, really difficult. Um, I mean, we got it back up and running, but we still don't know what the problem was. It just fixed itself, which is which is quite scary. But um, it's really hard to service and maintain this. There's a lot of boards. Um, there's, you know, they're all proprietary highway boards. Um, one of them blows. I don't know what you do to fix it. You know, hopefully the community can help. But there, but it looks looks very difficult to service the machine. You know, there's there's some software coming out here, um, but who knows what will happen with any other uh, updates. So you probably got what you've got. But you know. Um, you get to the point where they're not they're not supporting existing users, and then and they you know the refund started to slow down. You think mm, maybe they, you know, who knows what's going on, but it doesn't look good. Look, in fact, it's starting to look worse because um, there was no communication either. Um, and then you hear the whole you know there's a story about Coin Taker. I don't know if it's true or false, but you know a, a container of games that you know the the who knows if they were real or not. Um, but then I've got a friend, Ian, um, here in the UK. He he put a deposit on an LE down, um, I think, years ago. Gets a phone call saying, you know, machine's ready to ship. Pay the rest and it'll, and it'll ship. So he, this was literally two or three weeks ago. He paid the balance and the game turned up the next day. Um, so it's it's a very bizarre situation, Chris. I don't know how to how to position right. it, but it's clear that um, what they sh I think it's clear what they should have done. What they should have done was acquire the assets and 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 if they if they really wanted to to save the company, I believe, and this this wouldn't have just you know there's a risk in doing this because you probably piss a lot of people off, but to some extent um, they they needed to absolve themselves of of the liabilities that they got with the company. Um, they tried to 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 handle that in a professional way, which I think is is good. 
but ultimately they, they just weren't able to do it. And, and I wonder if it'd been different if they just acquired the assets, liquidated the company a year ago, uh, and moved on from there. Now you know that would be a that would have a bad taste in, in a lot of people's mouths. But at the end of the day, they're in the same place. They've they're, they've liquidated. They've they've shipped a game. People have paid more money into it, and it's un, the future for that game and the support for that game is very uncertain. They, and, and as I understand it, there will be no more aliens because the the license has expired. So it's um, you know it's a very it's a very bizarre situation. I think you know the Pinball Brothers, as, as they've become known, um, you know as they move forward, I think they need to step back and really think about what they've learned from this whole sorry tale um and see how they might do things differently i think for them whilst whilst andrew highway over communicated and over promised uh, these guys under communicated and under promised i think they need to find somewhere in the middle where you can sh you can share what's going on you can make some commitments that don't stretch you too far but but are, are reasonable and then and then get moving but i fear that anything to do with this this whole highway thing might be tainted beyond repair. That's my yeah, fear. I, I kind of agree. I, I look at it like, do we really need another pinball manufacturer? Like, just if you just ask that question, because there yeah. are plenty of amazing pinball machines coming out from reliable manufacturers that warranty the games, that have manuals, that are, you know, there's a customer service person that picks up when you have an issue. I just think that these pinball brother guys, uh, you know, People are not going to forget what happened at Highway. It's going to follow <laughs> them to yeah. their new operation. Um, Queen Pinball that they're probably going to make, which is Barry O designed, and Den or I think also Dave Sinners helped out. I, I just don't see this game finding open arms from the community. And I think they're, if they, if I agree with you though, they, the only way for them to salvage all of this is to come out be transparent and tell us their side of the story. And they're still yeah. refusing to comment. I saw that this week in pinball tried to reach out to all of them. And I don't think they're going to be able to do this from the shadows anymore. No. Well, I think, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, they could try, they could try and, you know, go stealth, build a machine and then get it out there and get lots of them, you know, turn up at expo in 2019 with 20 games for people to play. You know that that's the they need to kind of they need to kind of either be really transparent and come forward as you say and 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 tell you know the side of the story what they tried to do be open and and upfront about it. If they don't do that, I think it's very hard for them unless they go kind of big time, which which you know as you know Chris to do that they're going to need a big factory, they're going to need a lot of cash, they're going to need a a, a really top quality game. And I have to say, Queen is a theme. You know, Queen's very big here in Europe and the UK. I'm not so sure it's such a big theme in the US. Um, and, 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 and certainly, you know, back in the day, Queen was not that great a, a band over in the US. They had fans, but they weren't, you know, the sort of Iron Maiden or Aerosmith sort of size. Um, so that, that brings a, a, a set of challenges with it. Um, you know, of course, I believe if a game's good, the theme is is kind of secondary sometimes, but but not all the time. Um, so they'd have to come out big. It feels unlikely that they're going to do that. Um, so I think you know them coming out and positioning where, what happened from their point of view, I think would be helpful. Right. Um, but but I think you know, <clears throat> um, if I was them, I kind of think actually, why don't we go build something else? Um, yeah. 
it feels very hard for them. It, 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 it never ceases to amaze me how pride will destroy a millionaire's you know, balance in their, in their savings account when it comes to pinball. I mean, this is all pride driven. These guys aren't in the pinball industry. They're, they're wealthy individuals from other industries that are simply trying to throw money and become a pinball company. And I just don't ever think that's the way it works. I mean, Spooky Pinball, he's 100% dedicated. The people at Stern are 100% dedicated. These individuals, this isn't their business. They want it to be, but I just don't ever see it happening because there's not the same level of focus. So Neil, what was it like when you saw that Andrew Highway was starting to just blame the UK pinball community and calling them a toxic (laughs) environment? Because from what I've been reading, it seemed like he had a lot of support. Uh, that support started to erode as the years went on and, and you know deadlines were missed and whatnot. But how do you feel as a member of the UK pinball community to hear something like that? Uh, it's pretty shocking, really. I mean, Andrew had a lot of support from the, the UK community. Um, you know, people hosted events for him that were part of the community when he announced Highway. They, a lot of people ordered the games. Um, you know, um, they supported him in some events. Um, a lot of them defended Andrew when he was challenged. Um, you know, that he was an honest and upfront guy. Um, the, the UK, I mean, so I kind of find the whole thing to, to kind of come out of that is just staggering in my view. It's and and frankly, it's a load of rubbish. Um, you know, I've been part of this community for a little over two years now, two and a half years. Um, the, the UK community is a fantastic community. We we get together, we help each other out. In fact, I had a friend round on Friday um, last week, came round to adjust something on the machine that I couldn't get right. He'd done it before. Said, yeah, no problem. Come round, a couple of cups of coffee, fix the machine. You know, I said, listen, you, you know, I'll give you some money or something for your time. No, 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 no way. I want to help. Um, the, the Pinball Info forum um is is the main kind of place for for the community we have a couple of events a year nlp which is a huge one where you know 50 to 100 of us bring our games to this we we have a on in in that community we have a special evening event where we have pizza beer and and pinball it's a fantastic uh, group of people most i mean here in the uk chris as you know there are not many places to play pinball except in people's private homes. So, so most of the tournaments, most of the events are held in people's homes. And Chris, you don't invite people around to your home that you don't like, right? You don't invite toxic people to your house. So, and you know, I'm, I'm part of a couple of those leagues. Um, and, you know, we a few weeks ago, I was at uh, one, of the, one of my friend's houses, uh, Paul, who runs uh, Pavlov Pinball, you might know him. And... Um, he uh, opened up his house for 50 people. We played pinball. He gave us food. You know, it, the friendliness of it. Yeah, there's some rivalry in terms of games and 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 playing the game and, and collecting things. Of course there is. That's human nature. But it's a phenomenal community. And, and actually, I'm, you know, I'm hosting one round of the league in, in July where there'll be 40 or 50 people around at my house. Um, and, and the community is anything but toxic. And, and I'll add another thing. So I mentioned we've opened Flip Out London, which is a pinball club in the south of London. It's the community that's opened that. So 10 of us got together. We bunk, chucked some cash into to a bank account. We rented a place. We put our machines there. 
We open it up for the community. You can come round. You can become a member. You can come round and play our games. We're open Sunday, Saturday, and, Saturday, Sunday, and Thursdays every every week. Um, it's all run by the members. We're all in the community. We're all great friends. Um, and and for him to come out and say that the that the community was toxic, it's, it just stands up to no scrutiny whatsoever, Chris. Right. It's, in fact, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. Right, and I, I've been reading stories of, of people lending him games for different shows. He had the UK yeah. pinball party. He he also has failed to return someone's games. That someone lent him seven games that uh, he he never got back, or Andrew was supposed to sell them and give him money towards highway machines. So there's just, I think, you know, it doesn't hold up to any investigation that the community is the problem, right? And I think people are starting to realize as more and more highway employees come forward, uh, it's like Andrew against everyone else. And everyone else is sort of saying the same thing and, and he's sort of deflecting. And, you know, he's always been about surviving and saying what needs to be said to try to buy himself some more leeway. But I think it's over, Neil. I, I think the highway pinball story is coming to an end i think the pinball brothers venture will probably end in a similar fashion uh, i don't think anyone's going to pre-order any games with those guys I, I, I so we'll see what, where that goes um what do you think neil deep root and dutch pinball like we're in a climate now where these other companies that are trying to break into the hobby uh, yeah. you know failures like highway make it even more difficult uh, people's uh, scrutiny, right? Their expectations yeah. and their their the lessons learned have made everyone a more cautious buyer. Do you do you see Dutch turning the corner? Do you see Deep Root succeeding in this climate? Um, I think they're very different organizations. So so Dutch, you know, um, I I feel it's very hard for them to come back from where they are. However, you know, it does look like they are trying their hardest to do it in a very difficult and frustrating situation. Would I give them any money? No. I think anyone giving them money without having the machine already loaded in their car, frankly, is crazy. Um, if I had money invested in, invested in this, which many folk do, um, I think at this point I would be trying to figure out how I get that back. Um, it, you know, I hope that they turn it around. It just feels it feels impossible. Now, it could be, if I was them, what I would try to do is try and close out um, the Big Lebowski by finishing off whatever they can do, get the games to whoever's paid for them as best as they can, then basically just stop because it's clear that they are not financed, capitalized, or, or even have the capability to, to be serious in this in this game. And I think there. I think um, the only again goes back to your point earlier. The only time anyone's going to buy a game is if they can. They're holding on to it and handing the money over. No one's going to pre-order a game. No one's going to send any money until they've got the game in their hands, right? So that and, and they're a cash flow business where the money they get in is immediately paid to suppliers. So it feels really difficult, um, you know. But I have to admire them for at least trying. To try and sort this out, as opposed to throwing in the towel, um, which which would which a lot of people would lose money. It still feels to me, though, a year from now, if they've satisfied all the outstanding debts and all the outstanding people waiting on machines, and they've got a, a, a machine, you know, um, rolling, 
I've say I'd be I'd be amazed if they pull that off. It'll be turnaround of the decade, and it just feels very unlikely. So my advice: um, wait until you've got a machine in your hand before giving any money. That would be my advice. Deep root. Um, I mean, I you know I, I've um, been following them you know quietly. I think deep root of you know they've brought a lot of personalities, a lot of big names. They they seem to have money. Um, you know, although you know whether that. You know, having money and wanting to spend the money are two, always two different things. Um, but they, you know, they have they have a very kind of um, bullish attitude. Um, they might want to reflect on highway and think about what the best way of communicating with their future customers is. I would suggest. Um, but it feels like they may, you know, they may have the the resources to make something happen. Um, but you know. What's going to happen to them when they've got a game? Same thing's going to apply. I wouldn't hand them over a penny until I've got a game that I can touch or see, and then I'm going to give them the money. Unfortunately, they're going to they're going to suffer because of highway, because of all these other bad situations that have happened. Um, you know, having stock and having a number of games to sell, and having a distribution channel that you know that's that's trusted is going to be vital for them. But the best thing they can do is get their head down, focus on building great games. They've got you know a, a big set of talented people working for them. Get the games done. Then when they've got something to show and it's, and it's definitely showable, then show it and come out with something that's real. Not a video of a factory, not a video of some artwork, not a video of a license, but a real game that flips, that's got software, that's got parts, that's got support, that's got a manual. That's what they need to focus on. Um, but, you know, it's it's very, you know, as a company, it's very, you know, it's very uncertain about what their intent is. And, and you know, so, you know, get the game made and then and then blow the trumpet is, would be my advice. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're another one where the pressure they've put on themselves to deliver with their five days of deep root, I think even Robert put into the contract with the Zidware um, people was that they had to ship the games. I think it's like June of 2019 or or, yeah. or, or like they, they default on, on owning up to their end of the bargain. Um, so it's going to be an interesting year. You know, I look at deep root. I've said it before with just curiosity. I, I'm, I'm curious yep. to see what this becomes um you know j-pop is j-pop i i wouldn't want to work with a guy like that i've i've spoken to john on the phone numerous times and he is a creative kind of lunatic in a way that needs yeah. to be wrangled in and and hopefully they can accomplish that uh, i don't think they're going to take any pre-order money which is good because they don't need it um yeah. i think you know robert has he has written some very big verbal checks, and we'll see if he can cash them next year. So it's going to be, it's going to be <clears> interesting. <throat> the thing is, this Neil, as I look at the whole hobby, and, and you follow it, and you're you're on the forums, there's just so much good stuff coming out from from Stern, yeah. from Jersey Jack, from Chicago Gaming, from Spooky. I, you know, I just think like the drama and the the negativity that surrounds some of these companies, like Homepin's a good example of that. I mean, I don't think you could be any worse of a of a leader than the way Mike talks to people. It's like, what are, you, you're, what are you doing, man? You're trying to sell games. It's a toy. And you're in the forums battling people, acting like you don't give a shit. Like, these businesses ha will have it hard enough to survive with the amount of competition. And Stern is, I'm telling you this, when you know what Stern has coming out over the next two years, everyone is in jeopardy of going under. 
other yeah. than Stern. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just have to look at Iron Maiden. Um, I, I remember seeing the, a video of the factory yeah. with as far as the eye could see, Iron Maidens being made. Um, you know, they they've hired big names. They've hired. They've brought in a lot of extra people in the design front. They've got the as, and I think it was Steve Ritchie that said they're they're up to the sort of design capability that, that Williams had in the heyday. So they are investing big. Um, Iron Maiden's a smash hit. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but but I'm, I've got an LE on order. Um, I'm not a big Iron Maiden fan. In fact, I hate the music, if I'm honest with you, but the game looks fantastic. Keith Elwin's done a, a great job, and, and a lot of people that are unknowns, with the right stewardship of Gomez and, and, and Gary Stern, you know, helping them through becoming a a capable organization and a capable set of people. It's, it's, it's fantastic to watch. And, and, and yeah, you think, um, in Stern, you know, they're starting to listen to things, you know, having the, the service, um, arms on, on the Iron Maiden pros, them listening, uh, they, they kind of did something stupid, but they, they realized that they've changed back. It's hopefully we see more of that. Um, but the games they're, they're building are, are just fantastic. It's, and it's hard to see how anyone really challenges them for the number one spot. Then, you know, Jersey Jack, I mean, a bit of a shame with the whole um, Pirates circle um, spinning disc thing um, because that was quite a cool thing. That's what caught my eye. Um, you know, I still think there's a good game in, in what they're developing and, and I think the, the team behind it are, are, I think they're devastated that they couldn't make it work for whatever reason. Um, and, and you know, I hope that, that Pirates is a success. Dialed In is huge here in the UK. It's one of the biggest games we've seen over here. People love it. Um, Spooky, I mean, you know, they've, the TNA is just a gift that keeps on giving for them. Um, they can't make enough of them. And, and um, so it's kind of a nice problem to have. And then Alice Cooper, I played it at TPF. Um, you know, it's a it's a fun game. It's and I love the kind of dungeon, you know, wandering around dungeons and, and castles. I think it's got a lot of potential in it. And, and they're, again, they're hiring some some key people to help them in, in, in key areas. And then CGC, I mean, you know, we we were both frustrated, Chris, that they didn't bring their game to Texas, right? That's why I went. I was there. It's a big. It's a big journey for me to go from from London to to Texas, and it, and it was a little bit disappointing, but. You know, I spoke to Doug and he was like, you know, they, they want it to be ready. And I kind of get that. Uh, I still think they could have launched the game with, with even though it wasn't quite finished. Again, depends on what wasn't finished. But if it was just a software thing, then surely they, they could have done something. Nevertheless, they didn't. I, I kind of, in some way, I was I was a bit, a bit annoyed by that. But on reflection, I think it's if it's not re- ready, it's the right thing to do. Um you know they're, they're they're developing things for for medieval madness. They got this white screen that's in test, which you know I'm going to buy right away just just because it looks phenomenal on, on Attack from Mars. So game three for them, I think, is going to be really important. I think it's I think for a couple of reasons. One, can they really take what the the step that they take with with Attack from Mars and take that step again? I think they can. Two, I think it's a big test for them and how big the remake market is going to really be. Um, and and because they've done kind of two of the most demand most rare demand games, as they as they do more games, there's there's less demand for them perhaps, um, and they've got competition. But you know, Doug and, and the guys there, uh, I love them. I, sp- I speak to them a lot. Doug was over here in the UK, and I had a great chat with him. I was giving him a tour of London, 
Um, they're passionate about what they do, and, and I wish them huge success. And and yeah, it's it, you, you you look at everything that's going on, the number of manufacturers, how big is the market, and then and then yeah, when you see um, companies that that aren't as uh, customer friendly as they should be, you kind of think, what are you doing? Um, and there's a few people, you know. Um, I mean, Thunderbirds is a big British thing. Um, it's invented here in the UK. It's, um, Gary Anderson and, and Sylvia Anderson is massive here. I've got a huge uh, Thunderbird two model in my house, as you might have, might know. And and um, it's a game that you know I would love to to, to have a look at. But you, you know, I see how that um, how you post. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to interview them actually at, um, in August. Um, they're coming over to. We've got a UK pin fest here. It's a big pinball festival in the UK. The first one we've run in a while. I'm going to go and interview the home pin guys and see the game hopefully. Um, but you know, it's, this is my this is my thing. Nobody has anything to prove. You want to prove something? Get the game out there and let people review the game and say the game's brilliant. Um, that's that. You know, if I was in this business, that would be what would get me high. Is that people love the game? Is that the factory can't make enough of them? And you look at Iron Maiden, you look at uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation. People can't get enough of that game. That 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 is you say it in what you do, not in the words, right? Lewis Hamilton, the Formula One driver, he says, "Do your talking on the track." Pinball manufacturers, do your talking in the games that you make. You don't need to do anything else. You just right. need to make games, and people will buy them. I I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm always telling my friends who don't follow this hobby at all. All you got to do is put a box of blinking lights in a cardboard box and there will be people that will buy it immediately because pinball is a drug for so many people out there <laughs> and it's the only way to satiate the desire is, is to get a new machine like every few months for a lot of people. So, Neil, I really appreciate you taking the time. When's the next time you're going to be over in the States? Sure. Listen, um, I'm, I don't think I'm over till Pittsburgh, but um, I might be... Uh, there might be a couple of other things I'm over there for. Um, we'd like to shout out the UK Pin Fest, though. Um, it's a, it's, we, we really haven't had a big event in the UK for a while, and, and um, we've got one on 25th, 26th of August um, here in the UK and in, in central central part of the UK near Birmingham. Um, it's the only dedicated pinball event. We've got about over 100 machines, hopefully, uh, Closer to 150. A couple of the big suppliers are there. Pinball Heaven um, uh, and and Tiller sponsoring it. I'm going to be there. I'm I'm doing a few of the the, the events and and supporting. We've taken some games up. Um, most of fact, all the games there are being brought by the Toxic Community, uh, not so. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's going to be a great event. And and um, check out ukpinfest.com if you want to come to uh, anyone who's in from the US or anywhere in the world if you're in the UK and you want to play pinball that's where we're all going to be in, on August 25th and 26th great and, and I also want to give a shout out to the UK pinball community because they are also it is the only pinball forum in the world that has not banned me I am, <laughs> I am still on pinball info as Canada uh, I'm not, I, I don't post as much. I, I got banned from Aussie arcade form. I got banned from Pinside, but I give it to the Brits. You guys, you have thick enough skin to, uh, to allow Canada to, to live in, in your world. So I thank you for that. Well, thanks Chris. Great, great for you to see you. And, and, um, you know, good luck with the podcast this year. I think it's going to be a, an exciting, busy year for you. Yeah, I know. I need to, it's, it's been kind of crazy the last few weeks, but 
one day maybe I'll get paid for this, but I do it. <laughs> it's imagine if I have, it, it, there's no way to monetize this because you know, it's really not worth anything. It's just it's the exactly. entertainment value of the community out there that I do it for. Um, well, Neil, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, we will definitely talk soon, and I and I do appreciate all of your commentary on the forums. I think you're one of the most passionate members of the community, both in the UK, but also your presence on Pinside is, is, is a welcomed presence. So thank you, and, and we will talk soon. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. All right, you too.